Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and before we begin today's incredible show, I want to share an upcoming program I am launching in mid-March, which could be exactly what you're looking for to take your life in every way to a completely new level. You see, over the last year, I have received more requests for personal coaching in the areas of creating optimal health experiencing transformational breakthroughs, and reaching one's highest potential in life than ever before. The coaching work I have done over this last year has been exceptionally powerful, and the results my clients have received has truly and profoundly blown me away, to say the least. As I have deepened my work with my one-on-one clients, I realized there was a major limit to the amount of highly dedicated individuals I could serve and support through this work. Because of this, I decided to create a highly specialized group coaching model that would foster an exclusive, highly supportive, and co-creative environment that helps each person reach their ultimate goals in life and highest expression of vibrant health. This is an eight-week experience called the Breakthrough Transformation Program, and it's designed to ensure each participant receives all of the support, information, and practical tools necessary to reach a place in their holistic life they never knew was possible. I will be personally taking a group of 20 people every week through a deep learning curve into the unexplored potential and helping them to accelerate the integrative process of self-mastery. This program will focus on specific areas such as creating invincible health strategies, cutting-edge nutrition strategies, emotional and mental mastery, overriding poverty consciousness with prosperity consciousness, accelerating learning modalities, becoming a truly empowered leader, and building a successful coaching slash service-based business, and trust me when I say so, so much more than that. This program also will include a three-day live event, which is going to be following the online coaching program and an opportunity to join me for a private Hawaii immersion experience. This program officially begins March 15th and will only be open to the first 20 people who register. So in order to discover if this one-of-a-kind coaching opportunity is the correct fit for you and your goals, please shoot me a quick message at Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, at HolisticHealthMastery.com. Again, that's Ronnie at HolisticHealthMastery.com. I'll respond back to you, um, and then we will carry the conversation on from there. Let's dive into today's show of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And what an episode we have in store for you today. This is a little bit of a different direction than we have traditionally gone in this podcast, and I'm so happy that we did go here because it's a necessary conversation for all of us to become familiar with. And I found myself before recording this post-interview explanation to, to kind of pre-frame you for what you are going to experience or what this interview is about I found myself kind of wondering, how am I going to articulate the essence of this interview? Because 
So much of my work over almost the last decade has been rooted in the raw food world. It's been rooted in the plant-based nutrition strategies, the vegan and vegetarian worldview. And over that time, in my own studies, I have studied every single conceivable nutrition and diet strategy under the sun. That's been a core focus of mine as a professional nutritionist because I found for myself that if I'm unwilling to know where somebody else is coming from in their perspective around whatever nutrition uh, preference or subscription that they're coming from, I'm actually avoiding a piece of information that may be very valuable for me personally. And as a professional messenger, a professional speaker on this topic, I have to know every little nook and cranny of the nutrition world, even the things that I don't agree with, because I need to know why I don't agree with something. If I'm just not agreeing with something, because it doesn't fit my box, it doesn't fit my personal subscription, my lifestyle, I'm kind of out of integrity as a professional and helping guide people to what works best for them. So over the years, I've explored just the thought processes and kind of ideologies of all the different diets out there. And this is one of the reasons I brought my good friend, Melissa Hennig, onto the show because she provides a very unique angle on her paleo perspective, if you will. She's actually one of the only people that I actually like to listen to from the paleo world. Obviously, I'm a vegetarian. I'm mostly vegan. I'm pretty much a vegetarian, though. High, raw food, super foodist, herbalist. And I found her perspective very interesting because it lines up philosophically with mine more than more or less. We have certain differences, obviously, with the, the methodologies. She eats meat. She eats a lot of animal products. I do not. However, I understand her thought process and I understand where she's coming from. And we both line up on this idea that if you are going to consume animal products, specifically meat products, they're basically like supplements. They're like therapeutic adjuncts to whatever your plant-based focus may be. And I've kind of realized over the years while working with hundreds of people and speaking to thousands of people now around the world and over the internet and exploring other people's experiences um, from all different gamuts of the spectrum of life, I've realized that there is a place for everything. And there's a therapeutic application for certain animal foods that are going to be more relevant to different types of people at different stages in their life and different metabolic phases of their bodies evolution and their metabolism and their hormone cycles and and things of this nature. And so I thought it was so important to bring Melissa on to share her perspectives. And it actually turned out to be an incredible conversation that we had. And I want to note that this conversation, the essence of the conversation ultimately is about finding out what works best for you and listening to the intuitiveness of your body. And it's not really about being paleo or vegan or any type of dietary box. It's actually more about being an intuitarian and and actually understanding the intuitive wisdom of your body and allowing your body's intelligence to guide you. And more than getting stuck on any type of philosophy, it's actually about Um, testing things. It's about experimentation and allowing your life to become a laboratory where you in a state of neutrality where you're willing to test different things when you're in the test stages of your metabolic mastery. You're trying different things out and you're seeing what works best for you and you literally take it like that and you just see how your body responds and you kind of go about it that way. And from that perspective, I found that it's so much more helpful to be an intuitarian than it is to ride any other kind of 
dogmatic approach or rigid approach to diet because we can get locked in a box of our own mind and be missing crucial elements that could really serve us if we were willing to be more experimental instead of rigid in our approach. And so I want to make clear that I'm not promoting um, her raw paleo diet per se. And I only say that just in case people think Um, Or I guess I'm saying that because I know that there are people that have been following me for years that are vegans, that are vegetarians, and I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for the support. And I just want to say that I'm super solid in my approach, and philosophically, I like Melissa's approach too. And I don't actually disagree with her either. That's why I brought her on because I think she has valuable nuggets of wisdom to share. And she's a vibrant, beautiful, um, healthy woman. And she's a friend of mine. I know her personally. She's fit. She's she's beautiful. She's intelligent. And she's also a passionate entrepreneur. So her approach is clearly working well for her. And I, yeah, I mean, this is, um, it's just really great to have an open mind about this kind of thing. So that's what I want to say about this interview and giving you the permission slip to allow your mind to open up like a parachute and allow whatever insights resonate with you. And then whatever doesn't resonate, leave that to the wayside, leave that as a seed planted in the fertile soil of your mind. And maybe it will sprout in due time when it's ready. So with all that said, Enjoy this conversation with me and Melissa Hennig. Melissa Hennig is a health and beauty lifestyle coach with expertise in holistic wellness. She is the author of the book Raw Paleo. Her coaching program gets women and men to feel sexy, strong, and attractive. Research has proven that raw paleo foods are powerful medicine. To further improve her clients' wellness, Melissa's coaching program includes paleo lifestyle factors such as sunlight, earthing, water treatments, detox, correct breathing, natural movement, and relaxation practices. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? So, so good. So excited to be here with you. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited as well. I'm doing great. I just came back from the Bulletproof Conference and it was just so much good energy and it's still with me. Feels good. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of friends that were up there for that weekend and... Yeah, a lot of really interesting insights, a lot of great um, speakers that I know of that were there, and I know there's a lot of like technological hacking gadgetry and things of that nature. I'm curious, what was a few of the really powerful insights that you derived from that conference? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, well, it's not about the food. The food, I got the food down. The food can be boring to me at this point. Like, I know all the health benefits. So I just love all the biohacking things that they bring in and just upgrading our health through other things other than food. Like, I I rode this bicycle, and it was an oxygenated bicycle. So I would, like, speed, like, sprint really fast and my oxygen levels were being taken on my fingertips and they would go way down and I would sprint and then they would pump me back up. Like through my mouth, I had an oxygen mask on and they, mm-hmm. my oxygen level shot right back up to 100%. And it just, I felt it. I felt it in my head. I felt lighter. I felt like I could ride forever. So, you know, there's things like that there that are just so interesting and innovative and it's, it's a great conference. Really cool. Yeah, there's so many other factors that I know you focus on in your work, and I'm a huge proponent, especially of what I call biospherical nutrition, which is essentially the four primary elements of nature. And mm-hmm. it seems like, it, you know, even in your bio, you mentioned those things, which I'm always kind of driving those principles in is that we want to get actually connected back to the elements of nature, which is a source of energy that in so many ways is more powerful than just food, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to diving into that, your entire kind of raw paleo approach. You know, we have a lot of really cool territory to cover, but 
before we jump into all that, I'd love to know, how did you get started on your health, your health journey in the first place? Oh, I've always been pretty healthy. You know, it's more of a preventative thing for me than I was never sick in that situation. I started out in a health conscious home at an early age. My mom was making carrot juice for all the neighbors and I was kind of the weird kid on the block because we were always juicing. So, you know, I had this good, stable foundation of juice and health foods. I mean, at the time, I thought low-fat was healthy, and I've learned different since. And then I was living in Chicago. I went to a raw vegan food class at Whole Foods, really random. I just signed up and wanted to know what that was about, and I just dove head first. Like the next morning I woke up, I bought the Vitamix, the Blendtec, the Dehydrator, everything you needed to be a raw foodist. I was in. Every the women that were teaching this class, they were, they had so much energy and their skin looked good and they were glowing. And I thought, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing. And the food was great. So that really started my whole raw food journey was just taking this one class. So it always reminds me of how much just going out and teaching and say, I teach a class and maybe there's 20 people, how much it can change a life and inspire someone like me attending that class did. And then, um, from from the I was raw vegan for a year and I was loving that and I still love all types of raw foods. I started visiting this store in Venice Beach. It was called Rossum. And as I started going to Rossum, I was talking to all the folks all day, you know, like two days a week, and it became a little clubhouse for me where they started introducing me to other types of raw foods, including the raw dairy and the raw eggs and the raw meat. And that's how I got into that. I was slowly trying little samples they would have raw cheese on the table and they were telling me about the health benefits and some things that weren't quite working for me with my raw vegan diet and I I slowly switched over to the raw paleo and now I've been doing that for about five and a half years and everything feels good so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay cool so you started doing raw veganism as many people do and you went through that journey and then you started um, incorporating some raw animal products and that found, you found out that that really started to help you in many different areas. What are, what are some of the areas for, you know, specifically that you found um, improvements um, by adapting your approach that maybe you weren't finding on the vegan journey? Um, I had, I was noticing that I was bruising very easily on my legs. I was always walking around with all these bruises. So when I started eating more, I I actually eat raw meat. I know it seems like a stretch. It did for me at first, but when I started eating the raw meat is when I started getting some more iron, some zinc, some, some things I really needed for, I could run slightly anemic and I just had Mm. cut out some things that were essential for me with the bruising. So that was one thing. Okay. And then just, I mean, little things like my nails always had spots. They seemed pretty weak that maybe I needed more protein of of a raw animal source. So, you know, everyone's body is so different. And for me, I really noticed some things I felt stronger. I definitely was sleeping better. Different things, I was a little more grounded in that area. So, yeah. Cool, cool. So... Your raw paleo approach, let's like really dive into that. I know you have a a book that you recently published, Raw Paleo, and it's a really, it's a really interesting take on the whole paleo movement. And I think it'll give people, you know, a, a new insight on how if they're really called towards that path, how they can possibly incorporate the best of both worlds. Right. So, yeah, if people are called to the raw food path and the paleo path, this is another way to do it is by eating all the raw paleo foods in the raw form. And uh, so the main thing is, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. The main thing is it's still about the enzymes and not denaturing the proteins. Like I take the raw food approach that I did when I was raw vegan and I want as many enzymes as possible in my body. Enzymes make life possible. And the raw meat and raw dairy are loaded with enzymes. It's something that people don't think of. So, you know, it's really good as like the paleo cooks so much of their food and they eat really large amounts of meat as far as what I find. Mm -hmm. And with this, it's really the quality over the quantity because I'm not denaturing any of my proteins or fats. I'm just eating 
the raw eggs in their in their natural form and the raw meat and raw milk's unprocessed. So it's about the enzymes and it's not denaturing any of the proteins. And I can really feel the difference. I eat cooked food too. And it's such a huge difference when I sit down and I'll eat, say I go out to a restaurant and I order a grass-fed burger and it's super as rare as possible and I still really can feel the difference in my digestion as when I sit down and eat some of my steak tartare alive with the enzymes in it and the proteins aren't denatured and it's like I didn't even eat. I mean, I feel like a burst of energy. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> That's a really powerful distinction and... When you come from the raw food days, and especially for me, like I, I have become, had become, you know, almost a decade ago, hyper obsessed about studying all the literature, all the scientific documentation that was done almost a hundred years ago, all the way to Dr. Paul Kuchkov, who discovered that when you cook food and when you eat food, it has a completely different immunological response in your body. Um, that was totally measurable. He did over like 300 studies to really pin this down. And that was kind of what really turned me on to this idea that when I cook food, there's a molecular change. There's a molecular disarrangement that's happening um, at the molecular level with the food that actually has an effect on my energy. It has an effect on my digestion. It has an effect on my neurotransmitters. And that's kind of what like more more kind of um, linearly got my mind around the whole idea of raw, right, in living food opposed to this idea of cooked and dead food. So I think that's a really important distinction because so many times, like you pointed out, um, one of my big gripes, I guess, in the paleo community is that um, and I've heard this from other people too that aren't even like they're not vegan or anything. They just they've just reflected back to me. They're like, you know, it's weird. Like the paleo community preaches this, that, and the other, but I don't find too many people that look super vibrant. Like they don't look like they're super healthy. Now I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying this is a generalization. You can obviously find that in any kind of like dietary uh, culture that you you go into. There's going to be people that are super vibrant and they really are more intuitarian. They're intuiting what's best for them versus being under kind of more of a dogmatic spell and just doing what other people tell them to do, even though it may not be the best thing for their body. Mm-hmm. Um, but there had been this like overarching focus on, on high amounts of cooked meat products and whatever else out there, like tons and tons of butter and I have no issue really with the, with that other than I think the quantities sometimes and the fact that they're, everything is just kind of cooked, cooked and, you know, uh, obliterated in that way. It kind of becomes kind of confusing for people to understand, like, what is actually correct. And I think by you bringing in the raw paleo approach, it gives people that are more inclined to that path a different a different perspective because they're no longer afraid of actually eating their food raw. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I do is I use the raw meat dishes as like a vitamin supplement. It's not I'm not taking it in every day. It's maybe 3 days a week or you know, maybe during my moon cycle, I'm like, you know, I feel like I really need a little bit of meat and I'll buy some steak tartare and I'll eat it. It's not, it's not this religious three times a day type of of paleo thing. Yeah. It's definitely intuitive and what, yeah, I feel into it and what, when I need things, I'll eat things. Yeah. I like that. You know, in a recent, uh, lecture I, I gave, somebody asked me, is like, do you think cooked food and meat is poison? And I paused for a second, I kind of smiled, and I said, well, my answer is yes, but here's the caveat. It's like the alchemist or the the ancient alchemist Paracelsus had a great quote. He said, everything is poison, everything is panacea, it all depends on dosage. Mm, I love that, yeah, everything in moderation, even moderation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So you're. So it sounds like you're really taking this as a way to. You're taking the um, the paleo approach and making it more therapeutic. Whereas a lot of times I still see people that are a little more gluttonous. I would say, for a lack of a maybe a lighter term, if you will. Um, pretty pretty straightforward that way. 
um, where people are just kind of just shoveling things down their throat. And it's almost like they have an excuse now to do that, whereas you are actually thinking this from all different aspects. And it, again, it sounds like you're really talking about medicinal um, foods and doing it in a way that's actually therapeutic and doesn't necessarily overwhelm the body by, you know, by over-consuming. Right, definitely. I definitely feel in so many situations with food and with products in my home and products I put on my body, less is always more. I mean, there's definitely days where I don't even need that much food. You know, my mm-hmm. nutritional requirements are so met that I have to remind myself and be like, did I eat today? Oh, yeah. You know, so it's definitely not a gluttonous diet. You know, it's more of, like you said, it's a medicinal way of eating. It's, it's really intuitive. And it's a, it's, I don't want people to be afraid of food. That's one of my mm-hmm. things. Is a lot of people cringe when I talk about me eating raw egg, Rocky style, or <laughs> me eating raw meat and everyone, oh no, I could never do that. And there's so, there's so much fear around it. And there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, it's I, so many, so many cultures have raw meat dishes. And just if people travel, that's we're, we're really one of the only cultures that are so afraid of raw meat. And and I know how medicinal it is and how good I feel. And so that's one of my other missions. It's it's not like anyone has to be a hundred percent any diet, any label, anything. It's just maybe just you know incorporate one raw meat dish a week and see how you feel. That that type of approach too just not to be afraid of food that's a really great point is that we have a a phobia of many different things and we're kind of indoctrinated by the fear program and so in the diet circles oftentimes people people are afraid of not eating meat for a certain amount of time like say they want to explore what it's like to be vegan not that you have to be like i don't even like that term but let's just say plant-based because it feels correct for you at that time, you need to cleanse, you need to detox, you need to flush out the system. And then on the other end, there's also the idea that, hey, you know what, if I have some kind of animal products in my diet or I, I try, let's, let's say that I experiment. I think that's a great word for people to start using. That's what I use is that I'm actually my own experiment. My life is my own laboratory. And I want to know exactly what the truth is in this moment. It may not be the truth tomorrow. It may not be the truth a year from now. But right here in this moment, what is the truth? Because we have a storyline about what the truth is that that basically dictates our life and motivates our actions or inactions. And if we can get ourselves out of the story, which is usually rooted in some kind of fear, like you're pointing out, then I think we can actually get to what the truth is for us right here, right now. Yeah, I love that. Two things you said that, you know, our life is a series of experiments. So bringing that word of experiment in, that's that's great. I'm going to start doing that. And, and our truth like my truth is changing every day. I could have a truth today and I sleep on it. Tomorrow my truth is different. Mm-hmm. So that's great to just like really be true to yourself. I feel like we can really, it, there's freedom. When you're, when you're true to yourself, there's a lot of freedom. And it's like removing the labels and just like you said, experiment, experimenting in the moment, living your truth in that moment and what feels good and what feels right. Mm-hmm. I love that. One thing that I'm, I'm, that's coming up for everyone listening to, um, there's going to be people from all different walks of life perspectives. Typically, the people that listen to this podcast, I feel, are more sophisticated than some of the other a little more fanatical or I should say a little more rigid people um, in, t- in terms of their perspective around these types of conversations. They're a little more open And they're willing to at least explore other people's perspectives. And that's what I really like about these conversations. This is not a conversation to say that you now need to try this or try something different. It's about allowing insights to drop into your lap and then feel into it and then feel like, hey, you know what, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe I do have something going on that I wasn't aware of or I couldn't find answers for because I was operating within a certain framework that didn't allow the 
the, the either temporary or long-term solution to a rise in my consciousness. So that's why I think a conversation like this is so important. And just to, just to make yourself available for whatever is here for you, right? Like each one of us is on our own journey and we're so unique in every single way that it actually behooves us to be able to listen to different perspectives, even if they conflict with our, our paradigm. And in fact, actually, if they do conflict with our paradigm, it behooves us even more to hear out the other side of the story because there's always going to be different perspectives that can be beneficial to us. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I always come back to just I'm I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. Like I'm here to, to have experiments, keep trying new things because that like things do change. I was very dogmatic. I thought there was only one way when I was raw vegan and everyone else was crazy and then look, I mean now my truth has changed. So it's like I just keep reminding myself that I, I don't even I don't know all the answers. This is just what works right now. And just being super open mind open minded and open hearted to what new things are coming out, what what people what's working for other people and really be interested in what's working for them as well too, because there's always something to learn. Mm. So let's say somebody wants to adhere to a mostly vegetarian lifestyle. What are some of the tips and strategies that you would include for somebody like that? Well, raw eggs is one thing. They're they're just a powerhouse of nutrition. And, you know, it starts with sourcing. A lot of people tell me, oh, I can't do raw eggs. Um, you know, I'm just, I have all these egg sensitivities. But the whole, it's really about what the chickens are eating. If they're eating soy, usually people are allergic to the soy in the eggs. It's not the egg, it's it's the feed, the chicken's feed. You know, so there's, there's so many little things to dissect, but... You know, it's like the the raw cholesterol is so different than a cooked egg. So that's one thing I would always tell people that are making green smoothies every day. If they could just add raw eggs to their smoothies, just start with one. There's fat-soluble vitamins in there. There's the, One of the main great things is they're a detoxifier. There's so much sulfur in the raw egg, and they just they bind to toxins and escort them out of the body. So if you're drinking green juice or making all these smoothies, and you don't want the toxins to reabsorb into your bloodstream, you need that binder in there. So that's why it's really good to have a raw fat in there, and the raw egg's perfect for it. You can't even taste it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Are there any other any other um, tips that you might advise people on? I mean, I mean, I'm really into raw dairy, too. You know, if people don't want to do the meat, pretty much that's a liquid form of the meat. It has so many nutrients in there. So if there's a way that, I mean, it's it's legal in California to buy raw milk, raw butter, raw cream, raw cheese. It's all legal. Otherwise, uh, realmilk.com is another really good source. You can put in your zip code and pretty much find a cow share or a place to, to buy raw dairy. And that's just one thing that's totally, it changed my life. I mean, a su- first sip I had the raw milk, I, my body just said, yes, this feels so good. It felt, it still does. Even, like I said, I don't, I, I eat a lot of raw foods and green juice and fruits and fermented vegetables. So I'm not always chugging gallons of raw milk and eating raw meat. I definitely do eat them. But even to, even to this day, like when I go and I drink my raw milk, I'm like, Oh, it feels so good. I mean, it's just very nourishing. There's a lot of nutrients. There's the saturated fats for for my brain. Like I can definitely, if I'm feeling like shaky at all or ungrounded, instantly I can. I feel like my nervous system is getting nourished by the the um, saturated fats in the milk, and my brain function is just it's super good when I drink it. And it's good for your bones and teeth. A lot of people that have dental cavities start drinking the raw milk and their teeth start healing. And there's so much less bone fractures with the, the vitamin A, D, and the K all in the milk. So so that's one thing. So the vegetarians, even if they started drinking, you know, or a little bit of like a lacto-vegetarian would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. That's a good place to put a little spotlight on. It's interesting, too, when you start to get into the distinctions between um, raw and pasteurized and homogenized unantibioticized milk products, cow's milk and then goat's dairy is my personal preference. And 
you know, one mm-hmm. of the things that's interesting for people to really become hyper aware of the distinction is that in every single culture around the world at this point, statistically, the the countries that have the highest rates of osteoporosis also have the highest rates of cow's dairy consumption. Now, the distinction is that it's all pasteurized and basically processed dead milk products that have pus numbers out of control and all kinds of crazy things going on with them, right? That's not what we're talking about, though. Right. Yeah, no, that's definitely, yeah. I mean, pasteurized dairy does leach calcium from the bones. It's the worst thing you could drink. Uh, To me, pasteurized dairy is just poison. I'm never talking about that when I'm talking about drinking milk. It's always in the raw, unprocessed form. So, I mean, I love when, when vegan or vegetarian or someone says, oh, I don't do dairy. I'm like, great, good, that's awesome, because it's probably pasteurized dairy that they would be doing anyways. Yes. You know, so it's it's just really educate. I just want to educate them about how medicinal raw dairy can be. Even Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, he was he has the milk cure. You know, he was curing all these different diseases mm-hmm. with raw milk, and and one of the main things again, I go back to the enzymes. It's alive with enzymes. There's over sixty enzymes in raw milk, so. For me, it's just I'm constantly like I feel good when I'm bringing in a lot of live raw foods that are loaded with enzymes. Mm, I love that. What um, <clears throat> could you share the difference between somebody maybe listening to this? They may already be doing, let's say, um, raw cow's dairy. Um, they may have heard about goat's dairy. They're not sure what the difference is. Could you share a little bit about that distinction? Yeah, there's different types of proteins in the milk. Like the raw cow's milk, there's A1 and A2 proteins. So the A2 is going to digest a lot easier. And that's what the the, uh, goat's milk definitely has a smaller protein molecule that is much easier to digest than the cow's milk. It's all all, um, our constitution. I I would try both of them and see what works for you. Because for me, the the raw cow's milk digests just fine, and it does have more fat in there. So there's more of those fat-soluble vitamins that I'm looking for. But goat's milk definitely it matches the, our, the mother's breast milk. It's perfectly. I mean, it's it's good for our bodies and it works good for you. You're saying the goat's milk. Mm-hmm. Do you do you play with colostrum? I oh my gosh, this is okay. This is going to be really truthful and really honest here. So I have played with colostrum about about maybe three or four years ago and. Let me just, this is just something really personal about myself. So I have breast implants and I did it years before, I did it 12 years ago. It's definitely something I I don't need, I don't want. I'm just saving money to get them out. And that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. But when I started doing the, the, the colostrum, my boobs started just growing and I'm like, no, I don't want to, like, this is already too much. I'm not even looking for this. And it was wild. <laughs> it was like, wow. I mean, if you could, if you could sell this colostrum as a, as a breast enhancer, it'd be like off the charts and this like great thing, you know? Mm. So I actually got kind of scared of it because I was like, wow, like whatever I was missing all through my adolescence and growing up, all these nutrients are just flooding my body and things are growing that right now I'm not into. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's, that's, I've never heard that about colostrum. It makes sense because of the growth factors. Right. Um, one thing too, you know, you mentioned teeth health. An interesting thing I came across when I was finishing my newly released book, um, I have an entire chapter on teeth health, and there's a number of really key things. I had been a student of Dr. Weston Price for many years and Dr. Hal Huggins, and so I laid out this whole strategy on how to basically care and repair teeth damage. And one of the things I talked about was chewing on fresh, high-grade colostrum and making mm-hmm. like a, a enamel protective out of it. And it has transferable growth factors that are transferable to the human immune system, to the white blood, blood cells of the human immune system, which basically create antibodies in the oral cavity that protect against certain um, pervasive bacteria that, you know, create biofilms and all that kind of stuff. 
Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm totally down to, to try colostrum again. Actually, they brought up a few times the colostrum was in some recipes at the Bulletproof conference. Mm-hmm. And it did, it did remind me like, oh, yeah, I want to use colostrum for the growth factors and the antibodies. And yeah, just so much strength I feel like it would give me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that again. So this is a, I'm really excited to have this conversation partly because of my own experience over all the years and um that's an extensive body of experience I've had going from one end to the other of of like really trying to figure out from every angle what works best and it's it's brought me back to an interesting place um in my personal uh vegetarian high raw kind of approach, which is leading me into a completely different place than I ever thought it would, but it makes sense now. But one thing I did come up uh, come up to realize is that vegetarianism long-term makes a whole lot more sense on almost every level. When I study the, the ethno-botanical kind of history and the cultural history of diets, and I and, and really looking at like, okay, what did every, what did people that were conscious, I'm not talking about like hunter-gatherers that were subject to the constraints of their environment and just basically had to procure whatever they could find. I'm talking about cultures that were actually conscious and had a certain level of, of abundance that they could actually consciously choose their their approach, right? One of the things that came up was that um, aside from, let's just say the cultures that really did want to do like they were very spiritually inclined, like the Hindus is probably the most famous example. Um, they all had this this kind of middle path, like Buddha says, don't go from one extreme to the other for too long. You always want to ride that golden mean. You want to ride the middle path because everything will ultimately, every extreme will bring you back to the middle path if you go to any extreme for too long. It'll force you back on that middle kind of balance point. And I found that for me was powerful. I found vegetarianism for me really fit every single checkbox that I was, I was focusing on in terms of my diet to be more spiritually aware and open, to be more physically robust and vibrant and to recover from workouts immediately and to feel completely alive in my body and also to fit my personal ethical kind of proclivities. Um, and I share this because I think it's really helpful for a lot of people out there that are kind of riding that tightrope. They're kind of like, well, you know, I really want to be vegan, but, you know, there's certain things going on and I'm just not sure what it is. And it brings us back to our original point about, you know, making your life your laboratory and not subjecting yourself to the good opinion of other people. Like, it doesn't really matter what other people think or whatever kind of like diet cult that you're around at the current moment it's really about your own experience and finding your truth as you said um so that's why i bring this question up too because there's so many people especially in my audience that are vegan or vegetarian and they would find this particular conversation very helpful to start figuring out like hey you know what that actually raw dairy could be really helpful or maybe i hadn't done it for a while and now it's popping back up for me so or or raw eggs, for example. Right. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about like taking things really far to the extreme and different, you know, I think of this meter going all the way over to the red and then all the way back to the green. And, and then it just kind of balances itself, itself out somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us on this diet journey, we that that is what happens. Like we do take, or the spiritual journey, whatever, you know, whatever we're on, we take things so far to the extreme and then we kind of come back into our balance. And I think that's natural and that's normal and that's all part of the journey. And I don't want to ever take that away from, from anyone either. You know, it's like, yes, please experience it all for yourself and find that balance. But yes, as far as, um, you know, I've personally been to Joe Salatin's farm in Virginia and this is going into like 
why I feel that the, the cows and chickens and everything is really working together to restore our land. It's and you know why I feel okay eating it is he you know I was there and the grass was so green it was just all up to my knees just kind of trudging through this long grass and he was saying he's never planted a seed ever in 50 years it's all just working together in this Mm. yeah just this perfect holistic I can't even think of the word it's just it's so synergistic the way the cows are fertilizing and they're eating the grass and he's rotating rotating it on this perfect plan and just to like be walking through that grass it was so fertile and so restorative it was just i really see you know the whole movement as the eating cattle i mean this is always excluding the factory farms and yes, conventional yes. meat. I just think there's a whole nother world out there that I've personally been walking in where I'm like, wow, these cattle are actually doing a good thing. They're restoring the land. This is a be- this is beautiful, healthy, nurturing land I'm walking on. And it's it's all because of the way he rotates all the cows and the chickens. And yeah, so I think there you know, that's the whole there's a whole nother world out there of people that are doing it the right way and it's not harming the environment. And every time I do go to a local farmer and I make sure I'm really supporting the, the grass-fed beef that I'm going to eat, I know that it's taking away any demand from that factory farm. And the more I could, people that do eat meat and I could teach them and just, you know, if, if they could all start, you know, supporting the right kind of meat, their, their bodies and the planet at the same time, it could take away so much of the demand for that junk processed milk and meat. So, and I, you know, I feel we're, we're in a circle of life. Like I would, I'd love, I hope my body, I would love, I don't, I don't think it's legal, but I want to be buried right in the dirt, give all my minerals, everything right back to the ground and just close that loop of nourish. We're all, everything's, everything is nourishing each other. Life isn't possible without death. It's just this full circle that keeps going and I'm a part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the Paleolithic era, you know, we're in a whole we're in a whole different world as far as like maybe yeah, they didn't have raw dairy, but like you said, we're conscious. We we need nutrient different nutrients in this world we're living in. It's definitely not as clean as it was back then and the the raw saturated fats are so cleansing and nourishing that we're just in a whole different era. We're not in the Paleolithic era. So so I'm I bring things into my body that are gonna support me for like where I'm living in today's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good point. Um, and both sides have to be represented in order for us to put, we basically have to put all our cards on the table and then figure out how to put the puzzle pieces together. And that's a very important point is that we live in our current technological um, and pollution saturated world where we have to find out different strategies. We have to use the wisdom of the past and also understand that a lot of history, if not all history, is largely made up anyways. Oh. And, and that's a whole nother thing is that we, we believe certain things and we don't question the belief because it's what we believe. And to realize that we can only approximate really what the past is without romanticizing it and realize that our ancestors realistically had it so much more difficult than we do, then we can take advantage of the fact that we have every single option and opportunity available to us largely, and we can construct our own unique lifestyle in any which way that we choose and intuit is best for us. And so that's why I love this perspective, you know, even though I am largely about not so much like veganism, but I'm largely about the the philosophy and ethics that that kind of movement has has uh, pioneered, which I really, truly am so happy about. And also with that said, veganism is largely a response to the horrors of factory farming. Right. Once we become clear of that, then we can drop some of the charge around it and realize like, wow, you know what? The issue isn't just about like, oh, the paleo movement or, oh, eating meat or animal products. It's actually it's actually a bigger systemic issue that we were all kind of born into. And the and it's a beautiful kind of movement 
the the culture of life but to your to your point and what you're sharing and just an added perspective for everyone listening this is what i arrived to like 3 or 4 years ago in my personal meditation of this is that um no matter what people are going to be eating all this they're going to be eating meat and they're going to be eating drinking milk and eating cheese and all this kind of thing First of all, I want people to get the best products absolutely possible. And second of all, if there's a way to replace the abstrosity of factory farming, then this would likely be part of that that puzzle. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's a huge part of it. Definitely. Just educating people that, I, I mean, I tell them, cause you know, it's okay to eat meat, but it's really have to source it right. And yeah, take away the demand for the, from the factory farms. Yeah. 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 Cause then we're supporting our own health, our own environment. There's, there's a whole nother way than, I mean, I think visiting the farms really helped me too, to see the, the other way to do the farming, the organic way. Because when I was vegan, I was, I wouldn't even look at a farm. I wouldn't even think about meat. I would, mm. I, I was so focused only on the conventional factory farms and how horrible it is. And it is horrible. But then once I started opening my mind and visiting some farms and they, there was no smell, I mean, they're beautiful. I'm just, I'm just watching this, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing. It really opened my mind to a whole nother world out there. That helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Really great perspective. I'd love to touch a little bit on women's health. If we can, what are some of the things that, and as a woman, obviously, what are some of the things that you've noticed, um, whether plant or animal, uh, to be super helpful for people that you may be coaching, um, you know, things of that nature. I'm really, I think that would be really awesome for everyone listening. Cause I, most of the people that listen to this, I think are women that generally seems to be the trend with my audience. Mm, okay. Well, one of the things that really helps a lot of women that, that I coach with balancing hormones and manufacturing hormones and is the raw eggs and the raw butter. It's the raw saturated fats. And I have had a few women just recently that have not had a menstrual period that they just, they're not getting it. Something's way off in their hormones. And I was just telling them how cholesterol is at the root of the hormones. And when you're eating the raw eggs, you're getting raw bioavailable cholesterol. Nothing's ever denatured. It's still in its energetic state. I'm straight from this perfect package from nature. Like I I never want to heat that. I never understand why we're going to destroy this perfect thing. So I, I do, I have them, you know, put, for women, I start them on one raw egg in each smoothie, and usually it's in within a few weeks, things start balancing out, and they tell me, like, yeah, I'm getting a period again. So that's that's one testimony I get a lot that really helps with women's hormones is getting that raw cholesterol in and the raw eggs, and then they start eating the raw butter. That's that's a known sacred fertility food if you if you know, well, you know Weston A. Price, mm-hmm. and he went around and studied all the really healthy cultures of the world and with fertility one of the main things they were just consuming loads of raw butter and yeah. they, they they just prized it as this um, sacred fertility food so those are the two things that I find a lot I find a lot of women it's not so much about like building the muscle mass like the raw meat and the, the raw proteins for the men it's really about balancing hormones and skin and the vitamin A the vitamin A and the raw milk and the raw butter is so good for your skin and I find that those two things you know even if they don't do any of the meat or anything a lot of different ailments get worked out through, well, it's three things. It's through the raw milk, the raw butter, and the raw eggs. So if they, you know, you can make a smoothie in the morning with those three things in there, and you can go all day on it. It's so satiating. And, and then, you know, I'm getting results, and they're getting results. So it's a mm-hmm. beautiful thing to, to watch it, to see it all unfold, helping people with, with raw eggs. It's something I never thought <laughs> would, I'd be doing. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that that whole approach. And um, yeah, that's really great. And just a return back to what's natural, normal and original and what's been culturally practiced throughout throughout time, 
you know, especially definitely before the advent of the industrial era and processed food, which is really what Dr. Weston Price's work kind of points out. Um, anyone else that wants to, that's not familiar with this work, I definitely recommend that you guys look into it. He was a famous dentist that basically discovered by traveling all over the world and studying indigenous cultures up front and taking pictures of their dental records that they did not get cavitations. They, there might be 1% or less of all the cultures that he studied that had any kind of um, malformation or weird kind of cavity issue going on. They definitely didn't have root canals. They definitely didn't have mercury amalgam fillings or wisdom tooth extractions or any of these weird surgical procedures that, um, that are going on nowadays. And we wonder why these things are happening. So, you know, that's a really great body of work. Dr. Hal Huggins is another one I just want to throw out there. He's kind of a hero to me. And he was actually kind of this, the successor in a, in a way of pioneering that the dental work of Dr. Weston Price. So, and they all had a similar perspective, and especially on some of the things that, that you're, you, Melissa, are sharing with us. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I love. I actually don't know the second doctor that you just mentioned, Huggins. Yeah. So Dr. Hal Huggins is probably the most famous alternative dentist at this point, and he mm. ju- he just passed away. He wrote this book called "It's All in Your Head," and the book is about mercury fillings and root canals. Mm, God. And he was he is probably the world's biggest advocate for. Um, for speaking against root canals and mercury amalgam fillings. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can check him out. Um, he was at like two longevity conferences ago that his work, you know, he did his work up into his dying day of like, I think he was like in his eighties, super vibrant, super passionate um, and just loved people. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm going to get that book because, I mean, we could be doing everything right. We could be exercising, detoxing, eating raw foods, whatever diet's working. We could do it all right, and it could still come back to what's going on in your mouth. You know, it's just so important to, yeah, the dental aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check into that. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Um, oh, so with the time we have left... Um, what what is your what are your thoughts on bone broth? Because I had gotten into bone broths here and there periodically years ago, and I really like bone broth. Although it's not something that really makes its way into my consistent diet, but it's something that I look at as like very therapeutic. I even when people have like really intense like intestinal permeability or leaky gut or things of that nature where their intestinal wall has been basically breached and it's breaking down. I actually have people start considering doing like a two or three day bone broth to, to repair. Oh yeah. Oh, it's even more than two to three days. So I, I really like Natasha McCam- Campbell McBride's work. Have you yeah. heard of her? I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gut and psychology syndrome. She, she's amazing. So she healed her son of autism with the gut brain connection by healing his gut. And she really focuses on the bone broth and the fermented foods and healing and sealing the gut so that the undigested proteins aren't leaking through. And she said, so she has two different protocols. There's the the GAPS one and the GAPS two. And on on the gut and psychology syndrome diet on one, I know you start with bone broth for two weeks straight. It's just straight broth for two weeks to really really get in there and start healing things. And yeah, I I love that. I believe in it. I drink it, probably drink it more in the wintertime for sure. It's really good on digestion. I, I really feel, I could feel it. I mean, I don't always get into the real technical science of things, but I could just, you could feel how nourishing it is. And it does. That's, that's the number one thing people say is that it, it feels nourishing. It feels, yeah, it feels so nourishing. A good cup of chicken broth, like something our grandmas would make. I always go back to that. Like our grandmas weren't going to go to the store and look for xanthan gum or any of these <laughs> crazy ingredients. Like that's not on their list of things to buy. That's unheard of. 
you know, so I definitely like check all the labels and anything that my grandma wouldn't use. I'm not going to put in my body. And that's because they were, there's some wisdom, there's traditional wisdom there. And definitely like the, the chicken broth, if people are sick, it just, it's so nourishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. that's really great. And, um, mm. Yeah, so that's another one I wanted to point out. That's never come up on the show yet, and so I wanted to just spotlight that because bone broth is really making a lot of headway right now, and there's a lot of different kind of perspectives on it. We won't go into more of the technical areas of that, but I have found that if you're really looking to come back to yourself or come back to uh, – how do I – I don't even know how to want to say this, but like come back to – a, come back to nature, but also to a place of like that wholesomeness, I guess might be the word, of like what it was like, you know, maybe in our grandparents' era. If you take it back to that place and just feel into the level of simplicity and some of the things that they incorporated, then this conversation begins to even make more sense. And then you start to feel into just like, oh, wow, like this, I could see, you know, coming from a vegan or vegetarian perspective, of course, like you can see like, wow, bone broth actually makes a little more sense um, from a non-technical perspective. It just feels good. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of collagen, there's gelatin, glycine, there's all these things in that do get extracted from the bones when you cook them for 72 hours. I, I cooked mine for 17, 72 hours on the stove. Mm-hmm. And it is just, you know, that's one thing with all the collagen that comes out of the bones and it's in the broth as you drink it. It's another for another thing of an anti-aging. Instead of all these creams and all these things people are doing with Botox and topical creams, <laughs> a lot of it you could just just drink bone broth. Or even when I tell people to eat the raw eggs and it's the egg white, it's that's that's the protein part, that's the collagen. That's so good for your skin and just giving you that natural lift. Yeah. So there's all these yeah. d- different traditional things we can do. And yeah, go, go, go back to the roots. Mm, that's really great. So what does your, what does your typical day look like? What's your lifestyle look like? Well, like I said, I keep things pretty simple. I'm never, I'm never thinking about food or stressing about food. It's not even really an issue at the, these days. As far, you know, I get up in the morning and the first, I usually read. I always love, I read every single day. I'll pick up, a, I don't read a full book a day, but I will pick up a book first thing. In, and there's about six books spread out in my bed, on my floor, on the nightstand, like right there. So it's really easy access to just pick it up and start reading. And I love starting my day that way. That just, it kind of, it gets me it gets me into another little bit of a world where I'm not stressed and thinking about things. It's just like, all right, let me, let me read something and and learn. And so that's what I do in the morning. And then I, I drink a full glass of water. I always drink a ton of water first thing to flush out anything, any toxins that were coming out during the night. I I love just flushing that with water. Mm -hmm. And And sometimes I put lemon in the water. Um, I like to start out with alkalizing things. I'll drink green juice after the water. I usually switch back and forth, like green juice to a raw protein to a green juice to a raw protein. Like I'll never be too acidic because I'm con- there's a lot of green juice on my diet too, besides raw animal proteins to, to keep that balance. I'm going in between. And I always do some type of movement. So I think my morning rituals change. Right now I'm really into getting up and reading first thing. And for for a good three months, I was really into the first thing I got in nature. I live in the most beautiful area and I would just put on my shoes and walk out the door. I didn't know if I would be running or walking, but if you put on your shoes and get out the door into nature, something magical happens. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I mean, yeah. there's so there's so much healing and so many things that can take place when when you get in, there's there's answers in nature. Mm. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I usually have so there's always a morning ritual of either reading or the movement, and then the water. I start to get into a little bit of food. Like I said, the food's kind of the last thing uh, on my mind. I'm more into I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to breathe, I want to move, I want to get in nature. Those things are so important. They they always take they always come first. Mm. 
and then, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I have my own business. So I, you know, there's, there's no boss over me. So it is really a blessing to be able to just go out, go throughout your day and kind of at your own schedule. And, um, I definitely, I self-motivate, like I get things done throughout the day after those couple of rituals, I'm always listening to some kind of educational podcast, all like multitasking while I make drinks, I make drinks and deliver them to stores for wholesale. That's a a part of the whole business. And then um, at night, like before bed, I usually, and then another part of my day is part of community. I always have like a nice tea with a friend, someone that's, you know, we just resonate at the same level. And you you become the five people, an average of the five people you hang around with, you know, that good quote, so choose wisely. So I always like, I love hanging around with my entrepreneurial or business women and we go and have tea. That's always a part of some part of my day. And then at night, I just, before I go to bed, I'm super grateful. I'm, I have a grateful practice at night and I just lay there and I always think about, like I dissect my day and what was my favorite part of the day. And I'm so grateful for it. And it's such small little things. It, it could even be my smoothie that day or, or the, you know, something that one of my friends said or quote someone told me, but it helps. It, I love going to bed on a, on a grateful note. And that's pretty much some of my days. That's fantastic. Really, really good. So yeah. where, uh, this has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate having you on and sharing all this great information and, and uh, a different perspective than most people get on this podcast. So I think that's really good. Where can everybody find more about your work? I'm at, my website is rawpaleo.com and all my social media stuff is raw paleo Melissa on Instagram and it's raw paleo Melissa on a Facebook page uh, I started Snapchat, although, you know, in this digital world, I actually have not been snapping as much. It's just, I'd rather be more in the moment. So pretty, it's pretty much Instagram, Raw Paleo Melissa, and then the website, Raw Paleo. Okay, awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And for everyone else out there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And if you enjoyed this conversation, which you likely did because you're still listening to this, then definitely check out Melissa's work and see how you can incorporate what she's sharing with all of us into your life as you continue to evolve, grow, and become the best version of yourself each and every day. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.